You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Well, it's that time of year again. It might look, it might look and feel and sound like it's Christmas outside, but not quite yet. Not quite Christmas yet. Christmas is three weeks and a day away. Before we get there, we go through the season of Advent. Advent has four Sundays, four Sundays of Advent. Today's the first Sunday. This year is the uh, interesting year when the fourth Sunday of Advent is actually Christmas Eve. So we move forward um, in this season. Even though the, um, you know, the radio is filled with festive music, the lights are up in the neighborhood, the decorations are up, the holiday shopping season is in, in full gear. Um, we've got trees in the sanctuary here, but we're still in this time of preparation with Advent going forward. Advent itself, the word means coming. Coming. So this is the time for us as Christians to remember the coming of Jesus into the world, just like he did to uh, God in the flesh 2,000 years ago, and at the same time, as Dr. Nick and Guy helped us uh, understand, it's a time when we prepare and ponder the coming of Jesus back into the world at some undetermined point in the future. God has come to be with us, and God will come again to be with us. This is what Advent recognizes and celebrates and invites us to ponder. So we're in this what some have called an in-between time. We're in between that first coming of Jesus as a baby when the angels sang about peace on earth and when Jesus began his ministry proclaiming the kingdom of God, this new reality of love and justice and righteousness. We're in between that time and this unknown uncertain future time when somehow, some way, Jesus will come again and make things right in the world. The scriptural witness to that is very strong. No more tears, no more crying, no more sadness, no more injustice. God's love will reign supreme in that time, whenever that time comes. But we don't know when that will be. Now, December is probably the most nostalgic month of the year, and I'm as nostalgic as anybody as each year goes by, looking back and remembering loved ones who are no longer with us, remember family gatherings for Christmas and special opportunities, special celebrations. It's a great time for us to remember and reflect and think behind us, and that's great, and that's wonderful, and that's important, but it's also a time for us to at least be thinking about the future. Be thinking that somehow, someway, sometime, Jesus is going to come back into the world, that God's going to make things right. So as we're in this in-between time, maybe we can be a little bit more awake and alert. Our scripture reading for today is the assigned lectionary reading for the first Sunday of Advent. And it comes from the gospel according to Mark. You heard reference to it in the children's message. And it is a little bit odd, a little bit challenging, a little bit disturbing even, Mark 13, the 13th chapter, is Mark's apocalyptic chapter, and it was written right around the year 70 AD, a time when Jerusalem was being ransacked and besieged, so you could probably, in light of that, 
understand some of the dramatic language in here and some of the hopefulness in the reading that God would come back soon to make everything right because things were just total chaos. But the world continued. The time didn't happen in that first generation like some people thought it would. And since that time, many people have predicted that this is the time. But our scripture makes it pretty clear that no human will know. And in the meantime, we're called to watch, to wait, to be alert. Listen for God's word from Mark 13. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, And he commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. After the horrific attack on... September 11th, 2001, scripture passages like the one you just heard bubbled up to the surface. Lots of people were thinking in apocalyptic terms after the Twin Towers came down, thinking that it was the end of times. In that context, I remember reading a lot about that, and I remember one very thoughtful commentator made the point for those of us in the United States experiencing terrorism and massive violence like this for the first time on our soil, that a lot of American Christians were thinking it was the end of time. Well, this commentator said that terrorism and violence had been happening all over the world for a long time, and it was rather arrogant of Americans to think just because it happened in your neighborhood, so to speak, that all of a sudden it's the end times. Interesting perspective. And so we've, we've learned to live over these thousands of years with the reality of violence and suffering. And that's the sad reality that we have. These disturbing images from Mark 13 maybe wake us up out of our complacency that could happen very easily this time of year as we settle into the comforts and the joys of this holiday season. The text and a cursory look at the news remind us that we don't live in a world with peace. That There's a lot of struggle and conflict and strife all over the place. Advent's a time for us to wake up, to wake up to the reality of the world not being what it should be. It's a time for us to wake up to look for the God who has come into the world and called us to a new way of being. So as we faithfully journey through this season of Advent, with the admonitions to keep awake, to keep alert, 
to watch, to pray, to turn around, to repent. The hope is that we can be renewed in that future hope of God's kingdom, of God's promised return, and do what we can to live towards that, to make choices and live our lives in such a way that God's kingdom would come even quicker. We pray for that Sunday after Sunday. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? That's our hope. That's our aspiration. The kingdom has begun, but it's not here in its fullness yet. We're in this in-between time. So we remember the past and we look to the future with hope. A big part of this kingdom that God has talked about and that Jesus inaugurated with his words and his life, a big part of that kingdom is about peace. And the scriptures are full of this idea of peace, both of peace as a gift for us and peace as a responsibility for us. Just a couple of scripture passages to look at. In the prophet Isaiah, we learn about the child that will be born that will be called Prince of Peace. In John's gospel, shortly before his own death, Jesus said to the disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, he said. The, Psalm, the Psalms encourage us, seek peace and pursue it. And then in Matthew's gospel, in the Beatitudes and the blessings that Jesus offers, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed indeed are the peacemakers. Today we recognize that there's a lot of lack of peace in our world. And we reflect on that today. In coming weeks, we'll ponder peace in the nation and community. We'll ponder peace within our families and our friendships. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll think about peace in ourselves. Peace on earth is as elusive as ever. The recent horrors in Israel and Gaza have made that all too clear. But the reality is that's just one of many horrific conflicts all over the world. Wikipedia even has a page on ongoing conflicts around the world. You can see on the map there, the darker the color, the more serious the conflict, at least according to this scale. There's obviously many different ways to measure conflicts like that, but there's a lot of color in the world, unfortunately, on this map, reflecting an awful lot of conflict around the world. Now, given the pervasive nature of conflict and how much of the world is enveloped by conflict, it might be easy to just throw up our hands in despair and say, what's the point? There's always been conflict and there's so much of it going on. What can, what can we do? And I've certainly felt that way about the Middle East. I've even said it from this pulpit. There are times when I just like, I don't know what to do. But I've been thinking about the Middle East and thinking about other conflicts in the world lately and something dawned on me recently. When I think about the big picture, and I think about all the people who for centuries in all sorts of ways have been working for peace and praying for peace and doing the hard work of reconciliation and bringing people together, persevering and courageously doing all sorts of things. All those efforts have made a difference. And while there isn't world peace, the conflicts that we face are not as bad as they could be. The peacemakers have made a difference and brought back down the level of conflict in all sorts of ways. So thank God for the peacemakers. So we keep working for peace. We keep writing our letters. We keep going to protests. We keep learning about other countries and other cultures and other languages to try to make this world a little bit smaller and have some better understanding among one another. 
We keep praying for the peacemakers, for people who are on the front lines around the world, trying to be instruments of reconciliation. Here at Covenant, we see that with our relationship in Guatemala. While Guatemala is not colored in the map, there's certainly a lot of stress and strain in Guatemala right now. They had presidential elections a few months ago, and a candidate was elected that certain powers in the country don't want to take over the presidency. So there's all sorts of stress and uh, legal maneuverings and military maneuverings. January 14th is the scheduled inauguration. A lot of Guatemalans are afraid that there's going to be a coup between now and then. And our partners in Guatemala have asked us to pray for the country, to pray for peace, to pray for healing, to pray for the electoral process. This picture came from a newsletter from Betsy Moe, Reverend Betsy Moe, Presbyterian mission co-worker in Guatemala who preached from this pulpit just a few months ago. And she and her colleagues are asking us to pray for peace, to pray for reconciliation, to pray for a hopeful future in Guatemala. I took her letter and put it on the Covenant Facebook page yesterday, and we'll try to get it in the weekly email this coming week if you'd like to see that. And I'm grateful for that relationship, and I will renew my prayers for peace. And Guatemala is also at risk of um, running into deeper poverty and despair, all sorts of complicated reasons there, but I'm glad we have a long-standing relationship with Santa Domingo and Coyolate, two Presbyterian church communities, and the big auction that happens today, the funds from that are helping scholarship students in a way we're helping to bring peace to Guatemala through those efforts, so I'm grateful for that. Praying and supporting and connecting with Guatemala are the sort of things I think that we as Christians need to be doing if we're serious about making peace in the world. And I know people in this congregation have connections with other countries and other communities as well, which is wonderful. So as we ponder and think about peace on earth and think about peace during the season of Advent, I want to invite you over these days to ponder the calling for peace and the responsibility of being peacemakers. Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace. We pass the peace every Sunday in here. And my hope is that as we pass the peace in here, that we'll be able to pass it out there in the community somehow, some way, that we'll be changed by God's peace and become peacemakers in the world out there. So one way that you can more deeply welcome the gift of peace and be ready to be a peacemaker in the world is by intentionally, purposefully praying for peace. So I'd like to make the invitation to the congregation to pray for peace every day during this season of Lent. We've got about three and a half weeks to do so. And people pray in a wide variety of ways. There's lots of different ways to pray. Here's one suggestion. That you take a short phrase or even just one word and write it down on a card. And put it somewhere where you'll see that card on a regular basis. Maybe you tape it to your bathroom mirror. Maybe you put it on your, bed ta- or your bedside table. Maybe you put it on your breakfast table. Maybe you put it on, on your car on the dashboard so you can pray at a red light. Not while you're driving, please. No, only at a red light. Be careful. Be smart. Got to be smart about these things. But put it somewhere where you'll be reminded on a regular basis to be prayerful about peace, about welcoming the peace that Jesus offers us and thinking about ways that you could be an instrument of peace. You know, you could say, fill me with your peace, Lord. Make me an instrument of your peace. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. May peace prevail in Guatemala or Israel or my family or wherever you want to pray. Or maybe you just write the word peace and just repeat it slowly and quietly. Let's do that right now for like 15 seconds. 
Maybe just the word peace. Maybe you pick a phrase. I'm just going to stop talking for a minute. Breathe in, breathe out. Pick a phrase, a word. Let's pray for peace. Hear our prayers, O oh God. To close the sermon today, I'd like us to sing. I'd like to sing a song. Um, we've already sung one verse of it early in the service. It's the third verse of It Came Upon the Midnight Clear. Now, if you're paying attention to those hymns and paying attention to the words, you know that the it in the name of that song is the song, the song of peace that the angels sang when Jesus was born. And so this wonderful hymn is a song about that song. And this verse seems particularly appropriate for us today as we think about world peace, as we think about all the noise and strife in our world, and as we want to renew ourselves in hope. So with this song, let us pray.